for uh, worship on Sunday mornings. We've uh, got more information, and there's always more to try and dig out of uh, a text than what we have time for on Sunday mornings. And so if you are interested at springcreekcob.org, there's a blog post that come out uh, once or twice a week, and that might uh, guide some more of your study of the book of Ephesians. At the end of our series, we're going to have Ephesians Q with A, that's questions with Adam. I listened to a... uh, a pastor, his name is Bruxy Cavey, who's up in Canada, and he has Q and A. It'll take a second. Some of, okay, yeah, A, and they're in Canada. All right, never mind. Our theme verse uh, for this series is Ephesians 5, chapter 2, and out of the NIV it says, Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's there on the screens. Let's say this verse together. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I hope that as we're going through this series, we can try and memorize this verse together uh, so that it starts to take root in who we are and how we live, how we celebrate what Christ has done for us, and um, I hope that becomes a part of who we are. As we come to the text this morning, Ephesians chapter 2, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. Would you speak through me or despite me this morning? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week's sermon, I made some references to Star Wars, and I made some references to Lord of the Rings, and I probably lost some of you that maybe didn't see those movies or read the books. Um, If you haven't read Uh, Lord of the Rings, go read them. It'll take you a little while, but they're well worth the read. Um, Or if you like the movie versions, you can go watch the movie versions. This week, we're going to be talking about zombies. Yeah, zombies. So I'm going to need you to stick with me. If you have no idea what zombies are, uh, maybe you'll catch a little bit of a glimpse of what zombies are. The zombie popularity has been growing in TV shows and movies for about the last hundred years. Zombies were first introduced into pop culture in the early 1900s. And actually, there's a really great YouTube uh, clip that uh, studies the evolution of zombies in pop culture and how they grow and and, uh, also how they reflect a critique of society. It was very enlightening and philosophical. It was well worth the watch. Zombies were originally introduced in the Haitian voodoo culture, and they were believed to be unthinking slaves under the curse of a voodoo priest or medicine man. Zombies made it onto the movie screen in 1932 in a movie called White Zombie, starring Bela Lugosi. That was before my time. Maybe some of you uh, got to see that movie. I'm not sure. These were people under the spell of a magician. Eventually, zombies became undead, flesh and organ-eating beasts, half-human and half-depraved animal. In some movies, this happened due to radiation or maybe it was through a communicable disease that 
these flesh-eating monsters evolved. For many, these movie, in movies, these zombies serve as a critique of the mindless way in which society marches about their consumerism or about their daily schedules, mindlessly marching on regardless of what is happening around them. Some of these movies include Night of the Living Dead, 28 Days Later, I Am Legend, there's a zombie pride and prejudice, if you are more of a sophisticated zombie uh, connoisseur. Uh, there's a movie called The Girl with All the Gifts. It's a very interesting movie exploring good and evil. Uh, most recently, uh, Zombieland. I think there's a number, uh, sequel coming out. And a TV show called The Walking Dead. What is it about zombie movies that have caught the attention of pop culture? I wonder if our real fear is walking around in a purposeless, mindless type of subhuman existence, walking around like a, a mindless horde, just marching about our day the way everybody else is doing, without thinking, without really living. I wonder if Paul might have used a zombie metaphor if he were writing this section of Ephesians today. Paul says at the beginning of chapter 2, he says, You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived. You were walking around dead. Walking around without a purpose to life. You were living but not really. In other words, Paul says that living without Jesus, living without forgiveness and grace that have been lavished on us, we, we talked about that word lavished last week, just poured out onto us. It's like walking around dead and without real purpose. Well, what is this way of death? There's a number of things that Paul lists here. He says, the way of death includes following the course of the world. He says it's following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. Paul says the way of death is living for the passions of the flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses. What's Paul really talking about here? I see three primary areas that Paul is focusing on, ways in which we might live in the way of death. And the first that he mentions there is following the course of this world. And I think what Paul is talking about is societal sin, big picture things that are wrong in our world that we're all a part of, that our culture is a part of. This might include racism. It might include uh, the huge discrepancy between the haves and the have-nots. It might be xenophobia or sexism or homophobia. Ways in which we all are a part of a system that leads to a pattern of death. And this might be where we cue the horde of zombies mindlessly marching on. The third one that Paul mentions is following the passions of the flesh. This is personal temptation and, and sin that we each deal with in our individual lives. 
when we do what we want only worrying about how it satisfies me, how it makes me happy, and I don't care about how my way of life impacts other people. Often this is the sin we talk about in the church. This is what we tend to focus on. But there's this one in the middle that I find a little curious. It says, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. And honestly, this is the one that I tend to kind of not think too much about. Maybe it's because I'm afraid of the the ramifications, but I think what Paul is referencing here is a spirit, a force, demonic force that is at odds with who God is, that is at odds with the kingdom of God that is trying to work purposes that are opposed to who God is. And we can be involved in all three of these areas of walking in the way of death. All three of these contribute to this mindless death march. So I imagine Paul might say, we used to walk around like a bunch of zombies. Sometimes it's the mindless horde of walkers. Sometimes it's the individual zombie gratifying the desires of the flesh. Or for flesh, if you're a zombie. And sometimes it's following under an influence beyond our sight, a spiritual force at odds with the kingdom of God. And so what does God do in the face of this mindless, walking around, horde group that is just going about life? Well, he does what anybody hero does in a zombie movie. He breaks out his zombie apocalyptic uh, package survival kit and he starts whipping his axe around and throwing knives and kung fu and all that kind of stuff, right? No. God takes a different approach. Paul says that we were by nature children of wrath or deserving wrath. And the next sentence begins, but God, in verse 4. He says, you were dead, but God You were following the ruler of the power of the air, but God. You once lived according to the passions of the flesh, but God comes and does something about that. You were children of wrath, but God has stepped in. But God, who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. See, in the face of this mindless horde, walking around, half alive, half dead. God wants to speak about resurrection, about real life. We can be made alive together with Christ. Verse 5 says, even when we were dead through our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6 then, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. And so we've been made alive with Jesus. We've been raised with Jesus. And Paul says that we've even been seated with him in the heavenly places. And it's hard for me to wrap my mind around this part of the verse. 
Because I look around and I say, well, I don't really feel like I'm seated with Jesus in the heavenly places right now. I look around and I still see people living in a, in a way of death. I still see our society trapped in a, in a cycle of walking around in a, in a pattern of, of, of death. But I believe that in Jesus, eternal life, the life that is real life, begins now and continues on into the age or the ages to come. Why does God do this? Verse 7 says, so that, because God wants to continue to lavish us with the grace in Jesus experiencing Him just pouring out his, his love and His forgiveness and His grace into our lives. And this pouring out of God's grace, this pouring out of God's gift is not just a once and done event, but it's the way God is, that He wants to continue to pour out His love and His grace into our lives. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. These are some of the most famous verses in Christianity, especially since the Protestant Reformation. And it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one can boast. And these are beautiful verses. See, it's because of God's grace Because this is who God is. At God's heart, at God's core, He is love. And He wants to express His grace and His forgiveness. Remember, there's really nothing lovable about you and I. There's really nothing lovable about zombies. But because of God's grace, we have been saved. It says, through faith. Paul's word here doesn't just mean that we are mentally uh, agreeing with a set of beliefs. The way Paul uses this word, it means faithfulness or trust, actively putting our faith, our trust in God and living as a result of that. Some have argued that the best literal meaning of Paul's word here in the Greek is allegiance. It means actively putting trust in Jesus, in God's gift. When I used to work at Camp Swatara as a counselor, we would take kids and we would do trust falls. How many of you ever done a trust fall? Yeah, lovely example when they work out terrible example when someone's falling back on their back and hurting themselves and all that. But what you did was you were supposed to, you know, cross your arms and you go through this saying to make sure everybody's ready to catch you. And then you come to the moment where you actually fall back. And it's at that moment that we see whether you trust or not. Because I can say, oh, sure, I I trust that you're going to catch me. But if I never try it out, if I'm never willing to fall back, do I really trust until we put it into action? 
See, we're not the walking dead who suddenly decide to do some good stuff and hope that we're no longer walking dead. In God's grace, He raises us from the dead and we walk in a newness of life, trying to walk in tune with Jesus. And Paul moves on in verse 10. When, when we often want to quote Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we stop at 8 and 9. By grace, you've been saved through faith. But Paul continues. He says, For we are what He has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. We can become what God intended us to be. We can walk in the way of life that God intended for us at the beginning of His story. And that is to live at peace with God and with each other. That is to seek rightness in our world, rightness in our relationship with one another. This is what the Bible calls justice. We can serve and love God and our neighbors, and we can worship at a spirit of thanksgiving and awe for God's good gift, not because we have to earn something, but because God in His grace has already given us this gift. This morning, how are you walking around? Half dead? Mindlessly going about your life? We're truly alive. We're not meant to be walking around in the way of death, purposeless and mindless. But I have to confess to you that that's often how I go about my week. I go about my schedule. I like my schedule. I like my routine. And I go about that schedule and that routine. And I've got these appointments. And I just, you know, my head down and I march through my day. I march through my week. Not really living, not really lifting my eyes to see what God is doing in the world around me. I think it happens to a lot of us. We just put blinders on and we, we move forward without purpose. God had to lift my head this week. Tuesday morning, a lady stopped in here at the church. She was, has been living out of her car and I'm so thankful for the family at Spring Creek who came around and offered help in ways that we could. And someone said they had heard this saying a long time ago about the importance of ministering to the needs of people that just show up, helping them. He said, because it could be Jesus. I don't know if the, the woman in her car this week was Jesus or not. I hope we didn't take any chances. I hope we loved her as best we could, that we provided for some of her physical needs. She got some, some water and some food and some assistance, and she got a shower. And I hope my prayers for her reflect her prayers for us because I know she was praying for us. And in my conversation with her, it was interesting. She was noting all the people that were running by our parking lot and a couple people that were walking their dogs. And she looked at me and said, this is an opportunity for you. 
Yes, ma'am. It is. God wants to give us new life, to lift our eyes, to pour out His immeasurable riches into our lives. For we are saved as a gift from God, not by works, but for the work God created us for in Christ Jesus. It's God's good gift that we celebrate every Sunday. But especially today, we praise God for His good gift of Jesus Christ who comes to show us the love of the Father, to express His love and His grace and His forgiveness. Some traditions call this bread and cup communion Eucharist. It literally means good gift. Jesus came down to show us what the way, the truth, and the life is all about. And Jesus entered into our way of death, suffering, pain, and torture, experiencing the sin of the world being poured onto Him. And He bore the full force of our way of death and took the punishment that was not His. So this morning... We remember Christ's body broken for us. And we remember Christ's blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As we prepare our hearts to receive and to remember God's good gift, I invite you to turn your attention to the screen 